Good morning, church. Turn in your Bibles to uh, Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. The last two weeks, we've dealt with some pretty tough topics. Rick preached on the difference between a fan and a follower of Jesus. Last week, we looked at how Christians remember death that we might remember life. And as we return to Colossians this week, we'll be looking at the difficult topic of complementarianism. Complementarianism comes from the word, root word complement. This is not the same word as compliment, like paying someone a, a compliment because they're wearing a nice outfit. This word compliment means to complete, something that doesn't work by itself but needs another part. Some of the most obvious examples are found in food. You have salt and pepper. Salt and pepper complement each other. Peanut butter and jelly. Milk and cookies. If you just have one, it's not complete. If you just saw a salt shaker by itself, something would be missing. Salt and pepper complement each other, just like peanut butter and jelly complement each other. They're different, but they come together as a pair. And in the same way, husbands and wives complement each other. They're different, but fit together according to God's perfect design. But our culture rejects this. Our culture tells us that men and women are interchangeable, that there aren't really any fundamental differences. But the Bible and creation teach us differently. While men and women are created equal by God, equal in dignity, equal in value, equal in worth, equal as image bearers, we have different roles. There are different roles and functions. Just as salt isn't the same as pepper and pepper isn't the same as salt, husbands and wives are different and aren't interchangeable. Just as we know that it's not salt and salt and not pepper and pepper, it's salt and pepper, marriage is a man and a woman, a husband and a wife, equal but having different roles and different functions. Let's find out what those roles are as we look at Colossians chapter 3. Our focus will be on two verses, verses 18 and 19, but I want us to understand the context of the passage, so we'll start from verse 12 and read until chapter uh, 4, verse 1. So Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds, everything to, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord 
you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Today, we'll be unpacking this simple truth. As new creations in Christ, wives joyfully submit to their husbands, and husbands joyfully love their wives. Let me say that again. As new creations in Christ, wives are called to joyfully submit to their husbands, and husbands are called to joyfully love their wives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have made a way for us to know you, to love you, to experience your care for us through your son, Jesus. Lord, you have made a way for us through your son, and you have spoken to us through a word that is sufficient. Lord, we don't need to look anywhere else on on life and godliness, marriage, roles, gender. Lord, we have your word, and that's sufficient. Lord, we thank you that your word is clear. Lord, we don't need a seminary degree. We don't need a PhD. God, your, your word is clear to us as we read it in our language. And God, we thank you that your word is authoritative. Lord, it comes from you. You speak to us as God, as creator, as Lord over all. And God, we thank you that your word is necessary. Lord, help us to hunger and thirst for your word, your truth, Lord, that we might know the way of salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. 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 So church, let's look again at verses 18 and 19. This is the focus of our focus today. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. How does the Bible's teaching on complementarianism land on you? Maybe you find it offensive that the Bible teaches wives to submit to their husbands. Maybe you're embarrassed at the idea that men and women aren't interchangeable and then there are different roles. That husbands are called by God to lead, to protect, to provide, and wives are called to support and follow. Maybe you find it offensive. Maybe you find it embarrassing. Maybe you're here this morning and you've seen complementarianism twisted and abused. You've seen men excuse their hard and domineering treatment of women. You've seen men marginalize or dismiss women or worse yet, abuse women. We just want to state up front in case it wasn't clear, in case there was any doubt, that abuse is a sinful distortion of what the Bible teaches. In complementarianism, God calls men to servant leadership, not domineering abuse. Jesus said that the greatest among you will be your servant. So the failure of servant leadership among men is not God's faulty design, but man's faulty implementation. Let me say that again. The, faulty of, the, the, the failure of servant leadership is not God's faulty design, but man's faulty implementation. Counterfeit money proves that there is the real deal. And counterfeit complementarianism proves that there is the real deal. So if you've been hurt by the counterfeit, uh, please don't tune me out. Please hear me out and let the Bible paint a picture of the real deal. In our text today, there are two parts, the role of wives and the role of husbands. Before we get into these two parts, we need to remember and understand the context. 
We've seen Paul lay out a vision of who we are in Christ. We're a new creation. We're being recreated into a new image, and we're enjoying a new unity. The indicative, what God has done for us in Jesus Christ through the work of the Holy Spirit, leads to the imperative, our response of love and obedience. And as new creations in Christ, we live in a new way. We set our minds on things above. We put off sin and put on righteousness. And above all, we put on love. As new creations, we belong to a new master, the Lord Jesus Christ. So right before Paul teaches wives to submit and husbands to love, we see this in verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So that means Jesus... For wives and husbands, for men and women, Jesus is our ultimate reference point. Everything must be done in his name with respect to his being as God, Savior, and Lord. And Jesus is the authoritative lawgiver. And so in light of all that, let's look again at how the lordship of Christ works in the home. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. This Greek word translated submit refers to a voluntary submission. It's a voluntary submission. It's a submission that recognizes a particular order, a particular structure in creation. And it's a submission that's freely given, not forced by the other party. And that's where some people go way off course. The scripture says, wives submit to your husbands, not husbands make your wives submit. In the name of complementarianism, some might say that the husband's role is to make the wife submit. That twists this verse and the entirety of the Christian faith. It's like saying, Jesus forced me to believe. In this age, we freely choose to believe in Christ. We freely come to faith in Christ, though there will be a day where every knee will bow. But as we freely believe, submit, and as we freely believe submission must be freely given by wives unto the Lord. But it's not an absolute submission. Remember, there are two parts to verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. As is fitting in the Lord. Fitting in the Lord means what fits with Christ as Lord, since he is our ultimate Lord and master. A wife's submission, a wife's obedience, is not a, not a blind obedience, not mindlessly agreeing with whatever the husband wants, but always done in Christ just as Christians do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. So wives, if your husbands want you to disobey Christ or sin against God, you must respond as the apostles did when they were told to stop preaching the gospel. You remember what they said. They said, we must obey God, not man. And that submission also doesn't mean putting yourself or others in harm's way. The Bible commands us to protect and preserve life. So submission must never enable abuse because that would enable sin. And yet Christ does command submission. A wife must honor the authority of her, the authority of her husband. Now realize that authority is a loaded word today. But we have to remember that God created authority structures for our good. Romans chapter 13 verses 1 and 2 remind us let every person be subject, and it's the same word, Greek word that can be translated submit, so you can read, let every person submit 
to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. So God requires all of us to submit to authority because he has established authority. Imagine for a moment if we had no government, no laws, no order, only anarchy and robbery in the streets, stealing, killing, rioting. Anarchy and violence destroy human dignity and flourishing. We were created by God to enjoy freedom, to enjoy liberty, but it must be an ordered liberty. To quote the Africa Bible commentary, without the submission of the wife to her husband, family life becomes unbearable. It is no longer clear who is leading, the husband or the wife, the parents or the children. A proverb from Madagascar correctly states, an animal without a head cannot walk. A family without a head has no life. So just as an animal without a head cannot walk, a family without a head has no life. God has instituted authority structures, headship within the home. So submission is never forced but freely given by the wife in obedience to Christ. And we must hold these two truths together. Never forced but freely given. Never forced but freely given. And for the Christian, for those who are born again in Christ, it's given with joy because his commandments are not burdensome. 1 John 5.3. So wives of risen hope... This is how God calls you to live out your faith in your home, just like the faithful women of old. Like what we read in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. But this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Godly women throughout the scriptures submitted to their husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham. But you might be here wondering, well, what if my husband isn't a Christian? Well, 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 speaks into this situation. Peter writes, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. So sometimes a wife decides to follow Jesus Christ, but the husband doesn't, isn't there yet. Yet the wife is still called to be subject to her own husband, to submit. And God often uses that submission to win the husband to Christ. The unbelieving husband may be persuaded through your respectful and pure conduct. So the text doesn't say wives submit to your husbands if they're believers or if they're worthy of that submission. It simply says wives Submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. And I want to offer three practical ways from Kevin DeYoung's book, Men and Women in the Church, on how wives can submit. Practical ways to work this out. Support, respect, and follow. So the three practical ways. Support, respect, and follow. So number one, support. To support means to serve as your husband's greatest cheerleader to serve as your husband's greatest cheerleader, to come alongside what he's called to do at work and in the home. If he's in a season working long hours to get that project done, cheer him on. 
If he's actively teaching or coaching or playing or pursuing hobbies with the kids, cheer him on. A year ago, when we were thinking about purchasing this building here in Prospect Park, there were a lot of questions. Teresa and I had long conversations about the building. There were clear reasons we should do it, but also significant concerns. Even as we talked through some of those concerns, once the decision was made to purchase this building, Teresa, my wife, was 100% behind it. She was all in. She was completely supportive. So that's number one, support. Number two, respect. To respect means to give admiration and honor. It means to give admiration and honor. We show respect when we have a moment of silence. It's a way to admire and honor the sacrifices of others. Pastor Sam Storm writes, submission is the disposition to honor and affirm a husband's authority and an inclination to embrace his leadership. There's a disposition to honor. There's an inclination to embrace leadership. And so wives, do you posture yourself in that way? Do you have a disposition to honor and affirm your husband's authority? Would other people say you admire your husband and you embrace his leadership? And finally, number three, follow. To follow means to respond to his initiative, to respond to his initiative. This means avoiding the temptation to second-guess him all the time, but it doesn't mean you're passive. You should ask questions, bring up concerns, give your thoughts. Any wise husband will listen to the input of his wife. But it does mean that you are for him and for his leadership. To follow sometimes means allowing your husband to make a final decision when agreement can't be reached. God has gifted Teresa, my wife, with better intuition and decision-making wisdom than me. She often arrives at important decisions faster than I arrive at them. A number of years ago, when we were looking at seminaries for me to attend, for us to attend, she knew I wouldn't be happy going to another seminary out west. After traveling out west to visit the seminary once, I wasn't ready to close the door. I was still thinking that might be a real possibility for us to go there. So I wanted to make a second visit just to be sure. But she already knew we wouldn't be happy there. She already knew it wouldn't be a good fit. She was against the idea and was convinced that wasn't the seminary. But I insisted, and she willingly came along with me without complaining, without arguing. And after that visit, I told her, you were right. You were right. It's not where God seems to be leading us. She was right, but more importantly, she was willing to, willing to joyfully follow my lead as we explored God's will for us, as we prayed through it, as we talked through it. And I thank God that throughout my marriage, she's been willing to follow my lead. And wives, that's what it means to follow in matters of wisdom where there's no clear right or wrong, no clear thou shalt or thou shalt not. The Bible calls you to joyfully follow your husband's leadership to follow your husband as he seeks to follow the Lord. So those are three practical ways to work out submission in your home. Support, respect, and follow. As new creations in Christ, wives joyfully submit to their husbands and husbands joyfully love their wives. Before moving on to husbands, I want to take a moment to speak about singleness. We have to realize that singleness is not a holding pattern, but a God-ordained season 
of life, just like marriage is a God-ordained season in life. We all enter this world as singles, and we will likely exit as singles. And singles have the unique opportunity to display and show the affection of, uh, I'm sorry, the singles have the unique opportunity to display and show the sufficiency of Christ above and beyond marriage and everything marriage has to offer. That means as good as marriage is, Christ is better. As good as marriage is, Christ is better. In fact, Paul believed that singleness was preferred. And he writes in 1 Corinthians 7, 7, I wish that all were as I myself am. He's writing this as a single. I wish that all were as I myself am. And Paul, in his singleness, can pursue Christ and kingdom work in ways that married people can't. Paul, in his singleness, can showcase the all-sufficiency of Christ in ways that married people can't. And in light of the struggles and challenges of marriage, even the disciples said, well, if that's the case, it's better not to marry. So if you are a single, the, the church has much to learn from you as much to learn from your life and ministry and example. So keep following Jesus. Keep leading the charge. And as you do that, be prepared if God does call you out of singleness into a season of marriage. Let's get back to verse 19, where we want to address husbands now. Verse 19, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. To quote the Africa Bible commentary once again, Paul gives two commands to husbands, love and do not be harsh. In exercising their authority as head of the family, husbands may fail to show love for their wives, and this can lead to bitterness and push their wives into passivity or despair. Once again, the focus is on what is given, not demanded. DeYoung again helpfully writes, The verb love, like the verb submit, is given, not taken. The wife does not manipulate or demand love from her husband. The focus is on what we give, not on what we get. The focus is on what we give, not on what we get. And this call for husbands to love their wives might sound normal for us today. Well, of course, husbands ought to love their wives, duh. But it would have been strange to Jews, Greeks, and Romans living in the first century. We need to understand the context that Paul was writing into. Under Jewish law, a woman was considered a possession, like a house or flocks, with no rights. A husband could divorce his wife for any cause. And things weren't better in Greek society either. In Greek society, a woman was expected to live a life of complete servitude and chastity while a husband could go out and have as many relationships outside of marriage as he liked. There was no notion of equality. Men were superior and entitled to rule over others and force submission. In both Greek and Jewish cultures, all the privileges of marriage belonged to the husband and all the duties to the wife. So the idea that husbands are to love their wives would have made no sense back then, just like the idea that wives are to submit to their husbands makes no sense today. But Christ confronts culture, confronts sin and rebellion as the way, the truth, and the life. Ephesians puts it this way, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, Ephesians 5.25. 
the joyful, sacrificial love of Christ to the point of death, even death on a cross, is the standard we as husbands are held to. We're to love our wives as Christ loved the church. For the joy set before him, Jesus bled and died for his bride. It was a love rooted in joy, affection, and sacrifice. Jesus loved his bride that much. He loved the church that much to win win her back and rescue her through going to the cross to lay down his own life. And husbands, unless you have died for your wife, you haven't yet plumbed the depth of this command, which means we all have room to grow. If you're here with us this morning and not a follower of Christ, we want to thank you for joining us. We're so grateful for you uh, here with us in our public gathering. And our hope and prayer is that you would come to realize how beautiful and how amazing and how worthy Jesus Christ is. That Jesus Christ came to earth freely and willingly so that he could die on a Roman cross 2,000 years ago, that you might receive forgiveness of sins and everlasting life, a life of knowing and enjoying God forever. But those gifts only come through faith to those who receive and rest on Jesus Christ alone for salvation. So if you have yet to do so, we just urge you to repent, to turn away from sin, to turn away from living for yourself, living your own way, and to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Trust and follow Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord today. And for husbands here who do profess faith in Christ, how we treat our wives matters. It matters. The evidence that you love and serve Christ is the way you love and serve your wife. The evidence that you love and serve Christ is the way you love and serve your wife. That means the love for your wife is supposed to show, when people see your relationship and the way you love your wife, it's supposed to show the love that Christ has for his church, which means that any lovelessness on your part shows a rejection of Christ's love, a denial of Christ's love. Pastor D.L. Moody once said, if I wanted to find out whether a man was a Christian, I wouldn't ask his minister, I would go and ask his wife. I would go and ask his wife. And that command to love has nothing to do whether your wife is lovely in the moment. Christ didn't love us because we were lovely. He loved us in order to make us lovely. So beware, husbands, of any teaching on love that ultimately appeals to your self-interest or how your needs can be met or how your love tank can be filled. DeYoung writes, the Christian approach to marriage is not so much his needs, her needs, but his opportunity to honor Christ, her opportunity to honor Christ. The wife submits as to the Lord and the husband loves as Christ. So husbands, how are you joyfully and sacrificially laying down your life for your wife? Do you know what her gifts are? Her passions, her aspirations. Where can you help your wife flourish in her God-given gifts and calling? As her husband, you have the unique privilege and responsibility to enable your wife to reach her full God-given potential. And moreover, Mauro Lindbergh was the wife of Charles Lindbergh. You might remember he was the first person to, to cross the Atlantic Ocean solo by air. 
Anne could have easily faded into the shadows under the limelight of her husband, Charles. But listen to what she said about his love for her. The sheer fact of finding myself loved was unbelievable and changed my world, my feelings about life and myself. I was given confidence, strength, and almost a new character. The man I was to marry believed in me and what I could do, and consequently, I found I could do more than I realized. Husbands, we are called to infuse God-given confidence and strength to believe in our wives and enable them to do more than they realize. And Anne Morrow Lindbergh would go on to be a best-selling author and writer. So where might God be calling you to help your wife thrive? Kimberly Paris uh, recently began working as our administrative assistant. In her first week on on the job, her husband, Stevie, jumped right in to help her rearrange the furniture and organize things and get everything set up. It was such an encouraging example of a husband's love and support. We got to see how Stevie was committed to making sure Kimberly, his wife, would thrive in her new job. And that calling to enable your wife to thrive is true no matter whether your wife works in the home or outside the home, whether you have children or not, whether she does most of the housework or not. And if you haven't read it recently, I encourage you to read Proverbs 31. Proverbs chapter 31. Be encouraged and stirred in faith as you read about the godly woman who flourishes under the love and authority of her husband. And husbands, love often means making real sacrifices for your wife. Real sacrifices. And that might look like choosing to give up that promotion so that you can invest more time with your wife and at home. That might mean choosing not to upsize your lifestyle so that your wife can choose not to work outside the home and stay at home. Choosing to give up TV or electronics so that you can do more chores or spend more time with your kids. Choosing to give the best of your time and love and energy to your wife and not something else. As new creations in Christ, wives joyfully submit to their husbands and husbands joyfully love their wives. This is a pattern that the Creator has laid out for us, a vision of the Christian home under the Lordship of Jesus. So let's not be embarrassed by complementarianism, but let's pursue and cherish it. As complementarians, we're simply reflecting the goodness of God's creation. Kevin DeYoung makes this somewhat obvious but easily missed observation. Think about the complementary nature of creation itself. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1.1. And that's not the only pairing in creation. We find other couples like the sun and the moon, morning and evening, day and night, the sea and dry land, plants and animals, and a man and a woman. Each one unique and different, but not interchangeable. And just like salt and pepper, Men and women are called to different roles, roles that ultimately reflect the goodness of God in creation and in redemption. Let's pray. Father, as we wrestle with this teaching today, we wrestle with what your word says, this call to 
submit, this call to love. God, I pray that you give us grace. As we hear this word, as we see this, we realize ways that we do fall short. We do see ways that we fail to love, fail to submit. And we just pray, Lord, for your help. We just pray for your grace. We pray for your forgiveness, God, for the ways we fall short. And we ask you once again that you would give us help by your spirit to live a life in obedience to Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. 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 So. As we uh, close out our time here uh, this morning, I want you to hear just these words of benediction and blessing. Uh, To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. To the spirit of wisdom and of revelation. To our triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, who gives us all the grace we need for wives to submit to their husbands and husbands to love their wives. To this God be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now, and forever. Amen. Amen. Amen.